0: You're listening to the Bold Face Truth Podcast with Amy Green Smith, episode 469. You can find information on anything referenced in this week's episode at com slash EP469. there. Check you out, listening to self-help pods and working on yourself. Fuck yeah. Quick question. You know those situations where your boss asks you to take on one more thing or your partner asks what's bothering you and you respond with a bold faced lie? Oops. What would shift for you if you actually started telling the bold faced truth? Everything. Listen, if you struggle with people pleasing, perfectionism, and you could use some help with boundaries or speaking up, you are in the right place. Thank God. I am Amy Green Smith. I'm certified and credentialed life coach, hypnotherapist, and keynote speaker. Fancy! And I've been working in the personal development space since the mid-2000s. Vintage! Sometimes I'll be solo, other times you'll hear from smart folks offering you easy-to-implement tools to help you tell the bold-faced truth. Yes! Yes! Hello, pod people, Amy here, and we are going to be continuing down our path, our mini-series around thriving during the holidays. Last week, we kicked that off with an episode, a solo episode, around how to not lose your shit with your family during the holidays, so I'm pretty sure that's kind of a must-listen for damn near everybody, This week, I'm going to be talking about navigating grief during the holidays. And don't tune out if you are assigning grief only to massive traumatic events. That's not what we're talking about here. We're going to be talking about how we are up against grief around all sorts of things, even things like ending a family relationship or dealing with a medical diagnosis or maybe even just moving to a completely new area or town or country or maybe leaving a job or starting a new business. There's so many different things that happen in our life that really demand emotional processing. So we're going to be looking at that through the lens of grief, but If that word doesn't really resonate for you, think about it as how to navigate the holidays when you're dealing with a lot of emotional processing that's coming up. And then you'll definitely want to stay tuned for next week because I will be ending this series around holiday thriving and surviving. With an episode all about managing and uh, dealing with holiday stress, and what what steps you can take to kind of reclaim your holiday season. All right, let's jump in. Let's start by analyzing what am I talking about when I'm saying that we are dealing with grief during the holidays. Like, what what actually is grief? And you've probably heard me talk about this before, but grief really is about processing your emotions anytime there is a significant change to your behavior or patterns that you have going on or systems that you're used to. It's one of the reasons why when we were all processing the pandemic, that there was so much grief that was getting kicked up because everything was in flux. There was so much change and so many differences to our patterns of behavior that our emotions were like, what the hell is going on here? And it really called for some processing. So the holidays can be extra challenging if you are going through any number of things like divorce or potential separation or the ending of an intimate partnership. If you are in a new location where you now reside in a different city or state or country even, or if there's a change maybe in your personal health Or there's a diagnosis for yourself or any really anybody that you're closely connected to. Of course, grief is warranted if we're talking about death or loss of a loved one. Or perhaps there's grief around being in the military and being stationed in a different area than your loved ones or vice versa, where you are connected intimately to somebody who is away in the military. I mentioned this a little bit last week too, but there's also an immense grief around your body changing in any number of ways, whether that is because you're up against an an ailment or illness. It could simply be that you have changed in weight over the last year, either larger or smaller, and you are now grieving and acknowledging what it feels like and looks like to move around this world in a different vessel. We are also grieving when there is a a change to a relationship. So that doesn't even have to be intimate partnership. It could be that you used to be this time last year, you were super close with your sister. But this year, things have been a bit strained. Maybe she has gotten involved in something you don't agree with or in a relationship that has taken her time and energy. You know, any number of changes to a relationship that now the the theatrics and sort of the drama and the nostalgia of the holidays tends to amplify those connections, right? It's, It's such a pivotal mile marker, right, where we can look back and go, Okay, this time last year, there were significantly different things that were happening. If we think about, you know, if somebody said, what were you doing on April 4th, 2021? It'd be like, oh, gosh, fuck, I, I have no idea, right? But if we said, what were you doing over the Christmas holiday or over Thanksgiving or what'd you do for New Year's last year? we have very specific memories that encompass that. And oftentimes, they are very closely tethered to the people who are in our lives. So the reason why grief tends to kick up so intensely around the holidays is because it's such a definitive mile marker for so many of us. I remember when I lost my father, uh, many of you know that, uh, I'm pretty transparent about it, that he passed away in 07, that there was a very uh, real challenge with engaging with all of the firsts, the first Christmas without him, the first Father's Day without him, the first major landmark for myself and my husband. Like when we first bought our first home a year later, it was really obvious that there was this vacant place where my dad used to be. So I think recognizing that there's a, an extra heaviness that happens because of nostalgia, which is a very, very strong human experience, and because it's oftentimes really tethered to the people that we love and that we're the closest with. Grief can also come up even if there's like a change of job or career or of employment, right? Like maybe last year, you were at the top of your game. You were totally thriving. You remember mingling and chatting with family and you were feeling like just so proud of yourself and this year. Maybe you're in between jobs or you went through a really bad layoff and you are just dreading having conversations with people where they go, so how's the job hunt going, <laughs> right? Like there's a huge element of grief with that. And I talk about that uh, that dynamic of people asking you questions you're not quite ready to answer a lot in the episode that dropped last week. So be sure to check out episode 468. We'll link it in the show notes as well. But even things like uh, trying for a baby or dealing with a miscarriage or anything it, it could be catastrophic or it could just be a plain old simple change in a pattern or a behavior that that you were used to that you were a company uh, accustomed to rather. So I want you to really look at grief through a much more expansive, Lens. I want you to recognize that no matter what we're going through, if there is a significant emotional charge and it is amplified more during the holidays, first of all, you're fucking normal. And second of all, it warrants you paying attention to it and being gentle with it. So let's talk about what do we do then if you find yourself in any one of those situations? It's damn near devastating or it's just been quite, uh, quite a challenge to adapt to, right? There's a whole spectrum. So it's, it's going to carry different weight depending on the situation or depending on how, how Intimately, you're connected with your own emotional self, but let's talk about what you can actually do about it. Okay, so number one, first of all, you probably heard me talk about this ad nauseum on this show, but I want you to change your view or your perspective around your emotions. It is so easy for us to want to figure out Why am I feeling this way? Why, 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 why? Instead of listening and acknowledging our emotions as messengers, they are just here to convey something to us, to say like, hey, bitch, I need you to pay attention. Something's going on. Our emotional pain that we experience is not dissimilar to physical pain. If you have an issue where all of a sudden you've been getting these throbbing, throbbing headaches constantly and consistently, it doesn't help to be mad at your at your head for hurting, but rather to go, ooh, something's awry. This pain is a message to me that I need to pay attention and I need to search out some answers or I need to get to the bottom of this. And the same is true for emotional discomfort, that there's something here that's being called for to process. And so often in our culture, in our society, we want to fix things instead of feel them, which means that we typically will try to remedy emotional discomfort through a physical means. So that looks like emotional feelings being rectified with physical feelings. So you may want to pay attention to your behaviors. Are you turning to things that you know are not healthy for you or are detrimental to you in the long run because you are trying to quell an uncomfortable emotional feeling? An example of that might be if you have been feeling really isolated, let's say, because you recently lost lost a job and you've been really grappling with your identity and who am I now that I'm not working in this one particular field. And so you find yourself turning to the behavior, the physical behavior of drinking alcohol much more consistently and much more voluminously. That may be an indication to you of, oh, shit, There's an emotion that I don't want to feel, like isolation or loneliness or worthlessness or fear or anxiety. So I'm trying to quell that emotional feeling with a physical feeling. So keep an eye out on your behaviors because I do think that there are certain things that we do as humans that do bring us comfort. Like, you know what? Grab a glass of wine or dig into some of that ice cream or whatever it is. I don't think that's necessarily a bad thing all the time. I think the place for us to look is if we are never addressing our emotional self. That's when I think it's an issue where we are consistently turning to something to numb out so that we're not really addressing the root issue. So keep an eye on that, okay? So number two, do not vote on what comes up. How many times have you gone through something and you say to yourself, you should be done with this by now. You should be over this by now. You've worked on this or that that happened five years ago. Why are you still getting all emotional around the holiday season? Well, that is because grief is not linear. In fact, when uh, Elizabeth Kubler-Ross and David Kessler originally wrote on grief and grieving, they were really hesitant to put it into sort of a five category framework. Because inevitably, when we see things being listed as five stages, we think that we go from one to two, to three, to four, to five. And that is what they did not want people to think, that you eventually get to five and then you never go back to two or three. (laughs) And that is not the case. Grief is not something that we can calculate. It's not something that we can keep in a container. It is something that rears its head and I'm not even going to say ugly head but it rears its head when something is being called for for us to process so judging it would be similar to being mad at your head for hurting instead of going ooh I've got a headache right now I wonder what what my body is trying to tell me I wonder what I need to listen to I wonder what I need to pay attention to at this stage of the game so when new emotions come up or new trauma gets kicked up and that starts to remind you of some old trauma, that's not because you didn't do the work back then. It just is here to say, hey, there's some new information here that's called for to start processing. So things to listen for is if you hear yourself saying, I should do that or I shouldn't do that or still, still I'm dealing with this. I broke up with that partner seven years ago, or my mom died 10 years ago, or I've been at this new, in this new country for three years. Why am I still so racked with grief? Because there's still emotion there, my love. You're still experiencing longing. You're still acclimating. And all of those things are simply just messages for you to take care of yourself, and to pay attention to what you might need. I will also make sure that I link in the show notes to a pod I did specifically on the stages of grief. And David Kessler has also written a book more recently around a sixth sixth stage of grief, which is finding meaning. And I really think, you know, even as I look back, I'll give you a perfect example. As I look back at my relationship with my dad, I absolutely think that I've gone through the stage of finding meaning of what was that like to literally watch him pass away in front of my eyes and that there was so much trauma and sadness and sorrow involved in that. But I was able to find a lot of meaning and go, you know what? I think that was meant to teach me gratitude. I think that there was so much that I could be grateful for that was that had enveloped my entire relationship with him. And even still, I had a situation just a few weeks ago where I saw a man who very, very highly resembled my dad. And I was in the middle of a restaurant with Mr. Smith and I had to step out of line because I just started bawling my eyes out. So I went back through the phase of grief that is sadness. And that is because grief is not linear. Just because you've worked through and found some acceptance or you've found some meaning or you've felt like you've been done with all the bargaining or the anger or the depression does not mean that it's not going to be triggered or come up in some new way in the future. So number two is do not vote on what comes up. It's here for a reason. Another thing to mention around this too is it's really easy for us to go into a comparison spiral. Brene calls this comparative suffering, and I'll link to a podcast episode that she did on her show that where she really talked about this idea of saying, well, gosh, if somebody else is is dealing with the loss of a parent, who am I? to be sad over my job change or being unemployed or dealing with a miscarriage or, you know, we go, gosh, it's so much worse what so-and-so is going, going through. And one of the things that Our Lady Brene of House Brown talks about is that that implies that there's a limited amount of empathy to go around, that if somebody is able to have compassion for this person who lost a loved one, then they're out of empathy to give to someone else, (laughs) which is simply not the case. So there are different levels of pain. There are different levels of experience. So the way it might feel to get in a car accident is one level of pain versus getting a paper cut or a hangnail is a different level of pain. But trying to say that that pain doesn't exist is not helpful in the healing process. So by ignoring pain that you feel, you prolong your ability to heal and your ability to process. Okay? And we'll we'll be sure to link to that episode in the show notes as well. It's a really, really good one. So before we continue on, I wanted to ask a quick favor from you. Do you ever listen to the pod, and I think this might happen for you, where you think, damn, I really wish so-and-so could hear this. Maybe it's your coworker who could actually use a lesson or two on boundaries, or maybe it is a women's group that you're a part of where everyone is super on board for speaking up for themselves, but nobody really knows what that really sounds like. Okay, where here's where you come in. I have three battle-tested and badass keynote speeches that are ready to be delivered to your company, organization, group, association. So if you, your community, or anyone you know could benefit from me rocking the mic, like who couldn't use some new tools, right? Please send them over to Amy slash speaking where you or they can message me directly about specific needs for the audience. Shocker, the three keynotes are focused around speaking up, contending with fear, and accessing enoughness. And all three of them can be delivered either in person or virtually, and of course, can be completely customized for specific audience needs. So again, simply send them to Amy Green Smith. slash speaking where they can get in touch with me because, listen, it is time that women everywhere have the tools necessary to use their voice, take up space, and advocate for their wants, needs, and opinions, like yesterday. And if you end up orchestrating an opportunity for me to speak with your group, you will officially get unlimited squeezes from me. (laughs) And I'm sure you're all in now. And be sure to let them know that I can always temper my colorful language if needed. And thank you. I wanted to take a quick moment to thank Let's Get Checked for sponsoring this podcast. Let's Get Checked makes professional health testing super easy by letting you get tested without having to visit a healthcare provider. Well, testing for what, you might ask? Well, they have a huge array of at-home testing kits, including women's health, men's health, sexual health, and wellness kits. In fact, I did two of the women's hormone testing kits, and it could not have been easier. And then when I received the results, I was able to simply forward them onto my naturopath to get her thoughts. All you do is you simply choose your test online, it will be delivered to you in discreet packaging with next day delivery, and then once your sample arrives in the lab, confidential results Results will be available from your secure online account within two to five days. Once your results are available, they'll be reviewed by a physician and then a nurse will contact you for a consultation over the phone. And in some cases, a physician will be able to provide prescriptions to the pharmacy of your choosing. Let's get checked. Laboratories are CLIA approved and CAP accredited, which are the highest ranking levels of accreditation. Let's get checked lets you avoid uncomfortable office visits. By providing you with access to home testing and professional medical consultations without ever leaving your home. It has never been this simple to get tested. So get this. If you want to try a test from Let's Get Checked, all you got to do is go to trylgc.com slash boldtruth to save a whopping 30% on your first test kit. 30%. Just use the code boldtruth, all one word, at checkout. That's boldtruth to save 30% on your first test kit. All right, let's get back to the show. Okay, so we've got number one, change your view or perspective around emotions. Number two, don't vote on what comes up. Number three, gear up and create a holiday survival plan. This is all about self-care and really knowing based off of your circumstance how much you can handle. Because like we mentioned a lot last week, Oftentimes when you are around folks, you know, even if it's a holiday party for your partner or for their work or something like that, or you're going to see family that you maybe see once a year (laughs) or not very frequently, there are these go-to categories that we have. They are usually, are you partnered? Are you having a baby? And what are you doing for work? And then sometimes what are you doing for school? right so people don't know the ins and outs of what you're dealing with what you're going through and they may they may be aware of what you're going through and don't know that you don't want to fucking talk about it so you may have to be really aware of starting to say no and being able to to politely excuse yourself from questioning that isn't isn't something that you have the capability of delving into you may have to opt out to certain events, period, right? So maybe you have a group of friends from college who always get together during the holiday season and last year you were killing it in your career and this year you're unemployed and it is so unbelievably triggering for you to be around this particular group of people because they put so much emphasis around career and you might be too fragile to put yourself in that situation. That might have to be a boundary that you establish and say, I would love to connect with all of you. I'll be quite honest, I'm going through a really tough time and I need to just, uh, I need to tap out this year. I need to just skip one, sit one out. I truly hope y'all can understand, right? So I think it's about really acknowledging what can I handle What am I willing to do? What do I want to do? What is the healthiest way for me to show up during this holiday season? And does that mean saying no? Does that mean boundaries? That also might mean preparing for comments or questions that might be happening. Like I said, some people may know what you're going through. Maybe you're going through a divorce or a separation. Maybe you're dealing with a miscarriage. And people know that at the company party or at the family function. And you might have to say, to be honest with you, it's not something I really want to get into. I truly hope you can understand. And then you change the subject. And I talked a lot more about that last week. So definitely check that out. You may also have to let go of obligations, things that you have done like clockwork every single year. But this year, there are some new elements that may make that way too painful for you. That's okay. Maybe you and your sister used to bake specific cookies every year together and it was your really fun sister time, but things have changed in your relationship over the year. So maybe it is that you let go of that obligation that has kind of always kept you going and you set up a boundary there and you say, you know what, I think we need to sit one out this year. Ask for what you need. If there are those in your life who you are really close with, tell them that you're having a difficult time and ask for what you need to support that. If you are, you know, you're used to always going to your best friend's party. She has this huge holiday party. or Maybe it's New Year and you always celebrate New Year's with your bestie and their family, but you're having a really, really difficult time. You may have to say, listen, I would never miss it. So I will be there, but I need you to know that I think I need to leave right after midnight or I think I can hang out for a couple of hours, but I need to get home probably like by 10 or something. Say what you actually need. Tell folks that you need to take care of yourself, okay? Another thing that you can do is to surround yourself with elements of safety, security, and comfort. So even small things like having weighted blankets, having your favorite cup of tea or of coffee, having really cozy pajamas or slippers, or having a friend that you know you can call up and they will immediately tell you how much they love you, how much they care for you. What are those elements to you that symbolize safety, security, and comfort that you could actually lean on in a really healthy way, right? I'm not saying, oh, shit, wine gives me comfort. I'm just going to down a bottle of wine every fucking day. That's what I'm talking about when our behaviors become uh, an, an excuse or an escape mechanism for us to not process the emotion. Now, I also recognize that when you're in the throes of grief, depending on your situation, you cannot fucking sit in that emotion nonstop. It is just too painful. So depending on the acuity or the sharpness of your grief... You may have to call in some of those creature comforts just to give you a little bit of a reprieve, just a little bit of a break, okay? It's sort of a a physical equivalent of being in a severe medical situation of like an an accident or um, a broken leg or something even more egregious. Those are the moments when we call in all the numbing, right? We call in the medicine that's going to help us not feel that physical pain because our, we are quite simply not capable of processing it. So I'm not giving you a free pass to just use all sorts of substances, but I also don't want to demonize the process of being human. Sometimes we are able to really navigate our emotions and others, it will damn near take us out. So That is a part of the personal development process. It's personal for a fucking reason because your situation is one in which you are the only one who can really navigate and understand what you are capable of carrying and what the healthiest choices are for you in each and every moment. Okay. So number three, gear up and create a holiday survival plan, asking for what you need, surrounding yourself with, with people and support who love you. Also create an aftercare program for any sticky situations. If you know that you're already super introverted and drained like crazy from being around a bunch of family, then make sure that when you get home from that event, you can decompress and that you don't have to go from obligation to obligation and jumping into another extroverted situation. And you are already really grieving that you're far away from your family this year for the first time ever, or even the fifth or sixth time. If you know that a situation is really going to drain you and you're not up for eliminating it altogether, at the very least be sure to set up an aftercare plan for yourself, okay? Number four is to honor the past in a way that serves you. Now, there might be a situation where you want to create some sort of a ritual of honoring elements of the past, if that's applicable, right? Like it could be that you lost someone and you, So what you do each year is you create a ritual of setting, maybe a place setting at the dinner table for them to say, you are still a piece of this family, even if you're on a different plane of existence. So maybe that is emblematic of the relationship you have with them. Now, in other situations, that that might not be appropriate. So for example, if there's an end of a relationship that has transpired since the last holiday season, whether it's with family or a divorce or separation or even a friendship, it could be that there is a ritual or a process that you go through where you are actively letting go. Maybe you officially take down some photos or you officially take off your wedding ring or you finally donate some stuff to charity where you are actively saying, okay, I recognize that I'm in a new chapter and I'm going to start letting go and being really clear about that. Other ways to honor the past, if it's something that you still want to relish, is to go through old photos or old movies or to listen to specific music, something that Mr. Smith and I do pretty much every year for whatever reason. My dad thought that it was hilarious that Mr. Smith would do this Elvis impersonation. So my dad and my mom would buy mr smith these musical elvis um ornaments and i shit you not y'all we have probably like five or six of them and they're like have, have a blue <laughs> christmas like they're they're just hilarious um but Mr. Smith, obviously, I don't do it well, but Mr. Smith does it really perfectly, which then started this whole process of my my dad buying him these ornaments. So that is something that when we do our tradition of setting up our tree and decorating it, Mr. Smith will do all of the songs and all of the dances. And it's a little ritual where we are kind of commemorating uh, my father, and the role that he had in our life, and again, that we're still in relationship. We're just on a different plane of existence. And that feels really empowering and um, a way for us to honor that element of grief that probably will always be present, right? And it changes and it ebbs and it flows. and it's definitely not something that can be calculated, but it is something that we are capable of working through and of processing. So honoring the past in a way that serves you, it could be a simple expression of gratitude. There are tons of different ways that you can do this. Create new traditions is number five. Honor that you are in a new place now. Both of those things can coexist. You can do number four, where you honor the past in a way that serves you, and then also Honor number five, your current chapter, where you are now. I'll give you an example from my own life. So when Mr. Smith and I used to live in Southern California, which was, gosh, almost five years ago now, there were specific places that we went to to go look at lights. And we absolutely loved doing that. Well, out here in North Carolina, we have not been able to find geographically close to us any community or, you know, neighborhood that has all of these bunch of lights that we can go and observe. And so it's been one of those things that we've had to create a new type of tradition here. So what that looks like for us is doing different events locally here in the Charlotte area that are new. And they're kind of uh, emblematic of residing in a new place. And they are celebrating our chapter here as we live in a completely different place. Also, you can do little nods that maybe aren't necessarily full-blown traditions that you're going to implement. But let's say you are in a significantly larger body this holiday than you were last holiday. And you know that because the outfit that you wore to New Year's does not fit you anymore. So, Instead of ruminating on that and feeling frustrated about that and beating yourself up about it, to allow yourself to go buy something else that makes you feel amazing in your body. Maybe it's even jewelry or getting your hair done or buying a new holiday sweater or something like that so that we're taking The power away from going, gosh, I need to fit into that thing from last year, and the only reason we know about it is because it is such a definitive marker of the holiday season, like I was saying earlier— I don't think we always keep such close tabs on every single thing we've worn (laughs) as much as we do during the holidays. So, I'm not saying that you can't still have a tremendous amount of grief around how your body has changed or altered over the last year, or even that you're dealing with a new ailment or a new illness or diagnosis. You can still grieve that and create a new tradition. So much of what the holiday is going to be about is this whole concept under four and five, where we are allowing ourselves to acknowledge the pain of the past that we may still be feeling, and at the same time honoring where we are now and still allowing ourselves to feel joy and happiness and excitement and caretake for ourselves and establish boundaries. It's allowing all of those things to coexist. And I think there's a way in which as humans, we want to isolate and we want to think that if I am grieving, I need to be fully in that grief all the time. And that's not necessarily the case. We have so much capacity as humans to hold multiple different experiences. So just because you maybe are so bummed out that you can't wear something that you wore this time last year, you can also be equally as excited about purchasing some brand new fucking dope ass earrings for yourself and just be living it up and allowing both of those sentiments to coexist. Number six, this is huge, especially because the holidays can really, truly make us want to isolate and hide out and not reach out, not turn to anybody. And that is not only selective to holidays. This can happen really anytime we experience grief. But number six is to call in the allies this is turning to the therapists and the healers and the coaches. So it could be somebody who you have employed to actually help you process what you're going through, or it could be best friends or family members who are always really inspiring and loving and ask you what you need and how they can support you the best. It could be groups. It could be support groups or women's groups or groups at church or in the community that are really there to help with like relocation, if that's something new for you, or if you are dealing with a specific injury or diagnosis or a, or something of a child or dealing with an addiction, either yourself or of a loved one. If you really actively search for community, I guarantee you it is out there. It is out there. And we also have the great fortune. At this present day and time with the way social media is structured, where we can find those folks pretty easily. In fact, I found that one of the things that brings me tremendous comfort around the holidays is a group on Facebook That is all about folks who are recovering from religious trauma. So for myself, there's a tremendous amount of grief that I'm still navigating with a therapist and That group on Facebook is a great outlet for me to see other people who are dealing with the same things that get really, really kicked up around family, specifically around the holiday, because there's so much religious connotation for a lot of folks. So, that community has been hugely healing for me. And you know where I found out about them? Even though they're on Facebook, I found out about them on TikTok. So, I think that social media is one of those things that we really demonize a lot, but there are some really amazing ways to connect with other like-minded spirits and to genuinely get the support that you might need. So please reach out. Even though this pain feels unbearable and it makes you feel like you are uniquely broken or that no one else wants to hear it or no one else really understands or it's too trivial, maybe you're going into that comparative suffering, I guarantee you other people are out there feeling the exact same way that you do. And there is so much power in just conveying that to someone else. We gain so much healing simply when we express how we feel vulnerably to people that we are actually safe with. And that's, that is the key disclaimer there that you must feel safe with those individuals. So here you go. Here are six ways to deal with grief during the holidays. Number one, change your view or perspective around your emotions. Number two, don't vote or judge what comes up for you, what triggers you, or if you're still dealing with something. Number three, create a holiday survival plan. What do you need to say no to? What What can you handle? What can't you handle? Do you need to ask for some support? Do you need to have an aftercare plan if you are going to be in situ- situations that are highly triggering? Number four, honor the past in a way that serves you. Figure out what that looks like with your specific flavor of grief and set it up. Number five, create new traditions. Honor this new chapter that you are on at this place in this time. And number six, finally, call in your allies. Get your support system around you. And I would also add, refrain from turning to folks who have continually let you down or who aren't able to really be what you need in this this space and time. I oftentimes will say, speak your truth into ears that can hear you. And sometimes the ears we really wish could hear us aren't able to process what we're processing or be what we need as we process it. But I do think the onus is on us to at least express and give those folks opportunity to be what we need. All right. So there you have it. Next week, we'll be talking about dealing with holiday stress and how to deal with that whole nonsense that feels just incredibly elevated during this particular season. I'm truly hoping that this has been helpful for you. And I will see you around these parts next week. And please remember, you are enough. Your voice matters. So go out there and speak your bold faced truth. Peace.